Welcome to What's Up Tybee. I'm Sandy McLeod. It's the perfect time to have this particular guest on the show. With Earth Day just around the corner, I was happy to sit down with Tim Arnold, full-time Tybee resident who founded the group Fight Dirty Tybee. Well, in case you don't know them, I do want to be clear, they're not any of the guys you see rolling around in fisticuffs on 16th at 2 o'clock in the morning on a hot Saturday night. Tim and his group are fighting for something all of us can support, a cleaner community for residents, visitors, and wildlife that live on or visit our beaches and waters. Tim's love for the beach started long before he moved here, and his interest in keeping them clean continued once this became his home. I was born in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and that's why my dad named me Timothy John Arnold, because he's a Protestant minister, and so put all that together and decided that was a good name for me. My parents got divorced pretty early, so at 13, I moved up with my dad to Massachusetts, uh, where he was an interim pastor in a number of churches, uh, mostly on the coast. So I stayed in Gloucester, Massachusetts, went to Gloucester High School, Gloucester Fisherman. I really fell in love with the coast at that point. The rocky New England shore is just a beautiful thing. Not a lot of white, sandy beaches, but it's just a beautiful coastline. And became aware later then, really, that affects the coastline. Tim and his wife moved to Tybee full-time in 2012. And ironically, what started out as relaxing strolls on the beach led to their litter-fighting crusade. You know, we'd walk the beach, particularly in the evening, to catch the sunset in the back river. And we just got really frustrated with the amount of litter on the beach when you're walking hand-in-hand on a romantic stroll. You know, you're picking up cigarette butt straws, styrofoam cups, and not enjoying the, you know, the marine life all around you because you're distracted by the harm that that may cause to it. Caused me and, and her to pick it up on our walks, and then she kind of said, well, this isn't for me, so you pick up the trash and we'll go after you're done. Uh, and so I just started walking with a bucket and a grabber and bumping into a couple other residents that, you know, were doing the same thing in their own way. And we were like, hey, maybe we should do this together. And so we just picked Sunday evenings and most people go home hour and a half or so before sunset. If, so if you time it right, you're down on the back river and can catch that sunset and feel good about both picking up litter and having a clean beach and enjoying a marvelous sunset. That was 2015 when we really organized this as a group activity. As I said, just a bunch of us residents on the south end uh, were out on Sunday nights and it just grew by word of mouth. People would start inviting their family, their friends, school groups got wind of it. And before you know, you know, we've got 30, 40 people at a beach cleanup. So we we mobilized, formed a Georgia nonprofit, a 501c3 in 2015 and 16, started to raise some money and bought a lot of buckets and uh, 100% post-consumer recycled plastic buckets because there's not enough market for recycled plastic. So we're trying to make one. (laughs) We've got about 120 buckets. Uh, And handheld grabbers, we went through a whole bunch of different kinds and ended up with an Italian brand named Atore. They're just wonderful. You can pick up uh, 200 cigarettes without hurting your hand because that's what everybody does when they go on an hour beach walk down by the pier. The number one item that ends up on the sand or in the water is cigarette butts. And Tim admits he was part of the problem before realizing what a serious issue it is to the environment. I'm a perp. I used to go to the beach in Massachusetts, uh, you know, ride my bike, and then I'd, you know, at three o'clock have to go off to my prep cook, cook job. And I smoked. Now yeah, I was young. Uh, and I put the cigarette butts out in the sand because I didn't think about it. I just didn't think about it. Like most people just, you know, it's cotton. What's the big deal? You know, and then I would start, instead of just sitting there the whole time before work, I, I started walking, you know, a lot or running on the beach. And I realized how many cigarette butts there were on there. And that's when I kind of had the aha moment that if I'm doing it and everybody else is doing it, it becomes an overwhelming problem. And, you know, once you see litter on a beach or anywhere, really, that's what your eyes drawn to. You see it everywhere. And that's, to me, that's a good thing because it means... 
people, you know, won't ignore the problem, but actually do something about it. And I think that's all really what we're trying to do by bringing people out on the beach is to see the problem firsthand. So we're not lecturing them when they come back with a bucket full of straws and plastic, they're agitated. And that's when you can have a good conversation about things individuals can do and how to, you know, work with city authorities or governmental authorities to really pass the legislation that's needed to reduce the amount of single-use plastic because we are choking ourselves. You know, to us, this isn't about the right to smoke, not at all. People can do that if they want to. I, I was a smoker. It's really, to me, it's not about uh, smoke. It's about litter. Nine out of 10 cigarette butts, just a fact that's been studied, are in, inappropriately disposed of, meaning tossed in the, the environment. And when you're on a beach or near waterway, that's where it ends up. And those filters are perfectly designed to trap heavy metals and other toxins that when released in water, you know, leach. So it's like a little sponge that gets released in, in in our case, tens of thousands of cigarette butts in concentrated areas it really does matter. It does make the beach more toxic. Um, so to us, it's about keeping the beach clean. And, you know, the only way to do that is to say you can't do that here. Almost every beach community that I've visited and know of has done that, at least within the last 20 years. Tim, like many others who've pushed for more restrictive ordinances about public smoking, says it is the only real solution to the problem since trying to encourage smokers and asking visitors nicely not to use the beach as an ashtray clearly isn't working. Trying to do voluntary measures, we've tried that for a decade on Tybee and it hasn't made a dent. And we're on the front lines every week and we know this. So there's only one way to do it and that's an ordinance that makes it a smoke-free beach so more people can enjoy the beach. You know, there's a lot of kids out there and, you know, running around in cigarette filth and breathing vape and cigarette smoke is not good for kids. It's not good for those that have problems with that. It's not good for the elderly and that's a public beach. This is a public safety issue. I think it's pretty clear and straightforward the right thing to do. It's not about banning something and restricting rights. It's about, you know, protecting uh, the beach from filth and allowing everybody to enjoy it, not just smokers. You know, Tybee's uh, visitation has been rising rapidly, like most uh, outdoor-based communities, even before COVID. So we've seen litter increases just due to the number of visitors. But the type of litter that's increased, I mean, cigarette butts are by far and away number one. Almost if you count all smoking-related materials, it's lighters and wrapping and packaging, add in the vape products and the batteries and the cartridges. It's over 70% by item of what's on our beach. So that's an easy way to knock that down as a smoke-free beach ordinance. Although old-fashioned cigarette butts still lead the single items counted when litter is collected on Tybee beaches, there are other nasty things that are also bountiful when they do the sweeps that cause serious problems too. Beach toys and, and styrofoam, mostly in plastic bags. But the things that are emerging from this wave of tourism is vape products. That's jumped way up because the you know they're designed to be disposable. You know, so you'll see the vape cartridge, which of course has toxins in it, doesn't belong on a beach. The battery, which of course is full of toxins, gets buried easily. And a lot of the plastic packaging that comes along with it is definitely a new category that's exponentially increased. So has PPE, obviously a lot of masks, just a ton of masks. We're not alone in finding that, but you know they act a lot like a plastic bag in the water. They're made of plastic and they float and they look like a bag. And so those are harmful to turtles. We already know that. So those are kind of the things that are really emerging. A lot of cheap beach toys too, just tons of them. So much so that we had to start a new program to deal with the volume of them. Half of them are broken because it's very cheap plastic. So those are kind of the emerging trends. And then the good olds are still there. So yeah, we really have seen an increase in litter despite a vast increase in volunteers in the city efforts to combat it. Their organization has come up with some creative ways to make lemonade out of lemons that they find in the sand. 
Yeah, we started the Rebeachables program about four years ago. I want to say Leah Lynch, a very active mom on the island who's since moved to Hawaii. How great is that? Um, helped us start this program because she would come on beach cleanups with her kids and just see the enormous number of beach toys that we would pull off. So we just started saving them. We didn't know what to do with them. Put them behind the Marine Science Center, and it just was a vast inventory. And, and she came up with the idea of creating a network of moms and kids that we that she would then parcel these toys, you know, 50 toys to each family or what have you. And they would just in their driveway have a good old time with uh, dish soap and brushes and, you know, clean them all up, spiffy them up. And a lot of them we put in bags, reusable bags, and give to Mermaid Cottage guests. Um, and so, you know, if kids were checking in, she'd say, do you want a bag of beach toys? And the answer is always yes. And they they become good stewards of those toys. They can take them home, and they can leave them in the cottage. Just don't leave them on the beach is the message. And then we worked with uh, local businesses, uh, Thai Bean, the, and the visitor center at Tybee, and the campground at Tybee all have rebeachables boxes where they're Guests can deposit or take the toys. Uh, and then the city worked with us to build three large wooden boxes at busy beach entrances on North Beach, uh, Center Street, and down by Tybris at the 15th Street beach entrance, real busy beach entrances. And it's co-branded the city of Tybee, Fight Dirty Tybee, and it's a big rebeachables box. And so that's where we now just ask people to put toys. And we make sure that it's free of trash and that the toys aren't broken, that sort of thing. It's a real popular program. The funny story on the river and campground, when we first put the box in there, Kim, the manager when I approached her was like you know we sell beach toys here I'm like I know and she was like but I love this and so even though they sell them and their sales have gone down which I'm glad for they point out when people check in you know some free beach toys over there she said she's had people cry because it's such a great thing the mother is you know they didn't have a lot of money and buying a big bag of beach toys when they're plentiful and free you know makes people happy that box is overflowing now because people when they're out down by the beach in the campground area and see a toy they bring it back just organically overflowing which we love so then we go by there and redistribute it to the other ones and it's just a real popular program it makes so much sense it's just hard to put it in place and get people aware of it tim admits that it is an uphill battle seeing the same problems over and over but he is hopeful that by offering choices and programs to residents and visitors they can make a real difference to our beach and to the world we recently, to respond to kind of the overwhelming levels of trash, created some programs to try to play offense instead of always defense. We feel like we're goalies keeping the trash out of the water. And, you know, it's frustrating week after week to be pulling the same amount of trash because it grows right back. So a lot of the lead volunteers, the people that just come out every week and help us set up and clean up and instruct people and, you know, take care of the logistics. You know, we get together and talk a lot at the beach cleanups about what we can do to kind of dial back the trash levels. And so we do quite a number of education and awareness campaigns trash to art billboards we've put uh, messages on benches you know our van is one continuous billboard because it's got van magnets and stickers on it we do psas with drones we've done a, a whole number of things to try to get people to realize that it's a problem and do something about it personally and we started a couple of other programs the rebeachables we talked about is one of them another one is sifting out the beach plastic we can use and along with a collection center at the y making pots and planters as an education moment for people and a fundraiser for ourselves from beach trash and other unrecyclable trash. So that's been a real popular program. And we're spending a lot of time on that now because it's, like I said, a real great educational tool about how recycling works, how plastic works and its limitations. Because I think people think we can recycle our way out of the problem and we can't, not at this level of production of plastic. So the message really is be careful with your own plastic consumption and recognize that recycling is, is a really tough thing to pull off without a lot of infrastructure and effort. 
effort. So we're really enjoying that one. We also run the Hard to Recycle Center at the uh, Community Y. And that has about two dozen different waste streams that you can bring and have materials that normally aren't recyclable. So it's a long list, but just rattle off a few. You know, printer cartridges, any battery, actually. Bottle caps, you don't know what to do with those. Uh, juice boxes, flip-flops, beach toys, plastic bags, all personal care items. So any cosmetic packaging, skincare packaging, any oral care product. So, you know, what do you do when you're done flossing? Not the floss, but the case. You know, you can drop it here. Toothbrushes, uh, razor blades, you know, just a long list of things that you use in your normal life that have some recyclable component, but aren't accepted in the municipal recycling stream. So we have all those bins. And again, the number five bin, polypropylene, is the one we use to create the planters and and the coasters that we make. But all the rest of it has a a disposition. So the corks, for example, one of our volunteers who are going to Whole Foods will drop them off at Whole Foods where they have a big cardboard box and they recycle them. So, you know, each one of the waste streams, like the batteries goes to Battery Plus, has an outcome to it that hopefully is being recycled. They tell us they are. We have to believe that. But uh, it's diverted over 15,000 items from the landfill so far, and it's really catching on with uh, Tybee residents and visitors. Tim says that although recycling is a start, it is not the final solution to getting us out of the hole we've dug ourselves into with trash. We know for a fact that only 9% there, give or take a percent, all the plastic ever produced has been recycled. Uh, We know for a fact that uh, most plastic, even if it is collected and sent to a materials recovery facility, ours is Pratt here in Chatham County, aren't being recycled. There's a glut of it, and there's no market for it. Uh, Virgin plastic's cheaper than recycled plastic for a variety of reasons. Plastic degrades each time you recycle it, so it has a useful life for a bottle maybe two times. So there's inherent limitations in the recycling process, Mm -hmm. and it's expensive. And, you know, there's not a lot of willingness to pay for that infrastructure. There's a lot of ways to solve this problem, but recycling isn't really the answer. It's just kind of diverting some of that material out of the incinerator and into the or out of the landfill. So I'm very skeptical about anything but aluminum and glass being recycled because there is value in those two commodities. And the rest of it is diminishing in terms of its value. And therefore, it's because we're in a market-based economy and government is limited. We just don't have good solutions for those things. Despite passion and work of committed volunteers with Fight Dirty Tybee and other groups, Tim says the only way to make real long-term changes has to come from policymakers on the island. We can't do this alone. There's just no way a little volunteer group with a limited budget, no matter how many planners we make, is going to be able to help a big business transition out of styrofoam, for example. That's that's something that's going to require more than us. To us, it should be the city because that's where you then have literal sustainability. They have the resources to make that program permanent. But it's hard. There's no question it's hard. And you have to have a willingness. And there is a willingness. The staff on the city, whether it's a city manager, public works department, code enforcement. We work closely with all of them and they're willing. What's missing is mandates from council. There are some council members that block these things. They think they're, I'm not going to spend money on that or nobody wants that or they don't go to the beach and see the problem. And so whether it's a smoke-free beach ordinance or trying to combat the prevalence of single-use plastic, it requires a certain mindset on city council. And so that's where I think we can make a difference to try to get people that care about that elected so they can drive these programs. They're not some kind of environmental plot. We live on a beach. We, we can see it in the water. We love sea turtles, and yet we poison them with their filth. It makes no sense to a lot of people, especially the volunteers that pick it up. And so we just need to, the trick is to then get that to translate into city council mandates that 
then take root and are sustained here on the island rather than, you know, let's try one thing. Oh, it didn't work. Let's let's drop it. It's too much. It's too hard. It's not too hard. It's hard. It's not too hard. A big thank you to Tim Arnold and all of the wonderful volunteers and businesses that have been supportive trying to make Tybee a cleaner place for everybody. If you'd like to know more about the program and how you can get involved, or you'd like to go over to Tim's to see how you recycle plastic and make your own individual planter or coaster, Tim is a great teacher and host and very passionate about this subject. If you want more information, you can reach out to Tim at tybecleanbeach at gmail.com, or you can check out their Facebook page or their website, fightdirtytybee.org. Thank you for listening. This show is written, edited, and produced by me, Sandy McLeod. Also keep in mind, in my real life, I'm a real estate associate broker with Century 21 Fox Properties with 20 years experience who would be happy to help you with your purchase or sale of a property in the area. See you next time on What's Up Tidy. And no matter where you are, I hope you are enjoying your life and living like your own tidy time.